a disciple who I will not name, though perhaps by the gathering context you'll start to guess at, has been slow to rise on this particular morning. It was a combination of poor sleep, brought on, let's be honest, by the evening before's wine, and this new, totally different lifestyle upon which he's embarked. No longer fishing nights, no longer sleeping through the early parts of days, am I giving away too much? Simply, daily following him, Jesus, wherever he might go. And yes, one might think that waking daily and doing whatever this glorious, wondrous Jesus would ask of you sounds about as free as any person could ever hope to be. Which, yes, it actually is. But again, there's a certain type of exhaustion that hangs for a while over any man, woman, or child who totally changes their life, routine, rituals. And again, this is generally added to by an evening before's overconsumption of the local vintage. So, where are we? We are watching the shaking off of the cobwebs of sleep from the waking mind of an unnamed disciple of Jesus of Nazareth, who is realizing that the latter, Jesus, is nowhere to be seen. Nor are the other eleven disciple apostles, nor any of the rest of the usual hangers-on, his traveling crowd. So the man is swift to his feet, pulling his everyday cloak over his tunic, grabbing a nearby chunk of bread, gnawing on that as he walks out. And the day outside is simply stunning in its grandeur. Our unnamed friend is startled awake seeing it, though he knows it all well. From high to low, from far to near, let's see it too. A palish blue sky, still shot through by the oranges and pinks of the just-past sunrise, darkening down from high to low in thicker shades of blue. Far off, high above the opposite shore of the sea, lofty cumulonimbus clouds carry away with the westerly breeze, and these are lit up with the same oranges and pinks of the skyline. Beneath those clouds, the distant grassy bluff tops of that eastern shore, cascading down to the morning dark water of the sea. Between there and here, the sea itself, leisurely white-capped by the same westerly breeze that drives those lofty clouds eastward. Nearer, the harbor shore of his town, the village, the rise of the hills, and nearest, the rustle and sway of the tall grasses. This is the sort of morning this disciple is looking at. And now he's noticing something that speeds his step down the hill. At the shoreline, a large crowd fills every inch of the beach. The differing colors of their cloaks and tunics from here look like a great patchwork quilt. Their numbers concave around a central figure who is most certainly Jesus. Our unnamed friend now begins jogging down the downward path. For once again, Jesus had begun to teach them by the lakeside, and a bigger crowd than ever collected around him. Our friend is now pushing his way through the rear of this crowd. Excuse me, I'm with him, let me through. And he carves his way all the way down toward the front. 
Annoyed lookers back look back as he lays his hands on shoulders. Finally, he breaks through the last line nearest the teacher. Jesus smiles at him. Aha, you're finally up. Do me a favor now, will you? Draw in that moored boat right there, the one belonging to the brother of Zebedee. I want to sit out there just a little ways from shore. Our unnamed friend, hand over hand, pulls in the moor line, tugs it in. And Jesus got into the little boat on the lake and sat down, while the crowd covered the ground right up to the water's edge. From where he sits, comfortable on a cushion on the stern bench, the view back inland is a lovely one. The water lapping the shoreline, the expectant faces of this crowd in their multicolored array, the whitewashed village, the green and brown hills, the sky and clouds overhead. He feels the warm sun, the sun that he created up the length of his back. It warms the crown of his head with a comfortable feeling. And sitting there, bobbing in the boat with our unnamed friend paying out the forward anchor, he taught them a great deal in parables. And in the course of his teaching, he said, Listen, a man once went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the roadside and the birds came and gobbled it up. Some of the seed fell among the rocks where there was not much soil and sprang up very quickly because there was no depth of earth. But when the sun rose, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some of the seed fell among thorn bushes, and the thorns grew up and choked the life out of it, and it bore no crop. And there was some seed which fell on good soil, and when it grew, produced a crop which yielded thirty, or a sixty, or even a hundred times as much as the seed. The crowd is entirely quiet, waiting upon any follow-on words. The only sound is the distant call of some seagulls. Then he added, Every man who has ears should use them. And with that, he was done teaching for the morning. And our unnamed friend is having a thought to himself. He is thinking of an early evening, two or three days before, when they'd been walking along the edge of the high road, heading back south toward here. The sun was already gone behind the hills to their right. The sundown cool was falling upon them, walking along. And he remembered noticing the way the teacher was walking sort of sideways, intently watching something in the middle distance, over and away at the edge of a small farm. A young man, a boy really, walking within the confines of a small patch of furrowed ground, drawing seed from a slung satchel. There was something very funny in the way he was working, they all saw. The fact was, he was doing a terrible job. He would dip his hand in that satchel slung across his torso, hanging alongside the front of his hip, and draw out a brimming handful of bright white seed. This was normal, something they'd all seen before many times, of course. But then, with not an ounce of thoughtfulness or foresight or seemingly any idea what he was doing at all, he would simply fling the seed everywhere. It would arc out like 
a white horizontal rainbow in the evening air, landing and jostling and bouncing just all over the place. Some bounced out through the fence line onto the roadway connecting that farm to another. Some would land and fall from the garden into nearby rocks. Some skipped and bounced across the furrows towards some untended weeds. Only a little, truly a very little, actually landed where it could do any work. Our unnamed friend is sitting in the boat, thinking of having seen that. He is thinking of having seen the teacher having seen that. He pulls up the anchor and then paddles Jesus back to shore. Then later, when they were by themselves, sitting over dinner at a long, rough-hewn table in the open air under the trees, his close followers and the twelve asked Jesus about the parables, and he told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to to those who do not know the secret, everything remains in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. This is a turn of phrase that instantly interests our fisherman friend, not, not, not because it's from the scroll of Isaiah, but because he suddenly sees what the teacher is actually up to. Jesus is fishing, seining. He has chosen his spot and has purposely selected his net. The parables are not meant to gather in bait fish, who in the midst of a higher gauge net will swim on through. These stories are after something much bigger. They are purposely snaring in some, those who already know the secret. He assumes this is Jesus himself. And they confound and let swim off all the others. This carpenter teacher, this sort of fisherman, is a canny one. Clever, isn't he? He is in the middle of doing a work that would make any true Galilean's heart sing. Then Jesus continued, a wry grin upon his lips, Do you really not understand this parable? Then how are you going to understand all the other parables? The man who sows, sows the message. As for those who are by the roadside where the message is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes at once and takes away what has been sown in their minds. Similarly, the seed sown among the rocks represents those who hear the message without hesitation and accept it joyfully but they have no real roots and do not last. When trouble or persecution arises because of the message, they give up their faith at once. Then there are the seeds which were sown among thorn bushes. These are the people who hear the message, but the worries of this world and the false glamour of riches and all sorts of other ambitions creep in and choke the life out of what they have heard, and it produces no crop in their lives. As for the seed sown on good soil, this means the men who hear the message and accept it and do produce a crop 30, 60, even a hundred times as much as they received. Our friend is sitting there at the table, watching the dip of the sunset, having only just missed that morning sunrise. And he is considering the meaning of these words as he thinks back over the day. 
The run down the hill, the crowds, the teaching from the stern of the boat, the interaction between Jesus and the people, the rest of the day, the afternoon, the evening, the dinner, this parable explanation. And he finds himself now leaning across the table over in the direction of the teacher and really pouring out suddenly the entirety of his brimming over heart. Oh, Jesus, he says, I hear your message. I want it. I want it to burrow down deep in the soil of my heart and come up in a great harvest. I don't want the evil one to snatch it away or to lack the roots to have it spring upright, nor do I want to be distracted by the world and its ways and its ambitions. I want to be totally focused upon you. I want the 30, the, the, the 60. Jesus, I want the hundredfold version of my life to be my life with you. That's what I want with you, Jesus. Jesus is smiling as he takes a sip of wine. And your desire to honor me honors me, he replies. I hear you, and I believe in your heart's intention, Peter. Oh, well, I've gone now and given away who we've been following along with all day, haven't I? But I bet you had an idea.